about food, eating food, dreaming about food. That's one of my hobbies. I really like to eat. I'm a picky eater. That's not my choice. But the food that I happen to like, I like a lot. I like a whole lot. You know, another thing I like is capitalism. Do you like capitalism? Everybody's hand should be up right now. Capitalism is awesome, okay? It's not perfect, but it's better than the rest of the systems around the world. Capitalism is great. You know why I love capitalism? It's because it's this idea that if you have something I want and I have something you want, we switch. That's capitalism. If you didn't know that, that's all it is. For example, I go to Burger King and I want a Whopper. I want one really bad, without onions and with cheese. Just make sure we're all on the same page here, okay? Because if you if you like it any other way, then we can't be friends. So I want to go and I want to get one, and they really want the $5.60 that I have. So we make a trade. I give them the $5.60, and they give me the Whopper. It's awesome. Capitalism is great. However, there is a downside to really liking food and to really liking capitalism. It's called obesity, all right? Now, I did not realize that that term applied to myself. About two months ago, a little over two months ago, Daryl's got this machine. I should have gotten it for you. It's back over there. It's this little white machine that is meant to make you feel bad. And you put in how old you are. You put in all of these things about yourself and your weight and your height and all that stuff. And then you, hold, you press start and you hold on to it. And then it's got these bars. And it has low, normal whatever that means, high and very high. And so I'm holding on to this and it goes low, normal, high, very high. And then it stops. And then it shows me my body fat percentage and it's very high. Like, you know, okay, I want to throw the machine um, on the ground and step on it because, you know, stop judging me machine. Like, what is the point of this? But I really like Whoppers and I really like choices, right? Now, I actually, Whopper is not my go-to hamburger, okay? Uh, the Ultimate Cheeseburger Jack in the Box is pretty good. Uh, anything from Grimps is good. I know there's some Burger House fans in here. Totally overrated, whatever. But um, uh, Whataburger, it's pretty good. My wife makes some good hamburgers. Um, my favorite cheeseburger is from Red Zoo's, actually. And I know that's weird because who goes to Red Zoo's and eats a cheeseburger? This guy. But it's so good and juicy and you can cook it. You can ask them to cook it pink, which is kind of like dangerous, but so what? It tastes really good. And they've got hush puppies instead of fries. Are you serious? You're speaking my language. So I love cheeseburgers, but recently I discovered something about Burger King. So I went and I'm trying to eat better because I'm tired of this thing blinking very high. I don't like that discouragement. It doesn't make me feel good about myself. So I go through and I'm like, all right, I'm going to be good. No French fries, no drink. I'm just going to get the cheeseburger. That's it. Without onions, make sure there's cheese. We're all on the same page, right? Good. So I go through the first day. This is like two weeks ago. I get one. It's like $5.60. Like, eh, okay, whatever. All right. So I give it to him. Well, you know, I mean, I'm on my I'm on my own. Nobody's around me to judge me. I left the machine at home, so it's just me in the car. So what do I do the next day? I go back to Burger King. And I go through, I'm like, all right, no, I think I heard Daryl laughing just I go back, I no fries, no drink, just water, and again, no onions and cheese. All right, good, you're following along. We're together. That's good. And then I see that this lady, she she alerts me that there's a two for five. I'm like, what's two for five? I mean, that sounds pretty good. All right, again, capitalism works. 
So two for five is you can choose two things from the menu and get it for $5. Huh. On that is a Whopper. I said, wait a second. I just want to make sure I understand this because I'm trying to be good. I don't want the very high anymore. And I'm like, okay, how much is a Whopper with no onions and cheese? She said it's $5.60. I said, okay, what would two Whoppers with no onions and cheese cost? And she said it'd be $5. I said, okay, wait a second, because I want to make sure I heard you correctly. <laughs> so I can get one cheeseburger for $5.60 or I can get two for $5. She said, yes, it's a promotion. And I said, hmm, I'm trying to be good. I'm trying not to think. So what do I need to do? Let's go ahead and do the two for five, man. No onions and cheese. So I did that two days in a row. And I told myself every single time, Craig, you just need the protein. Take off everything else, grab the extra meat and, and put it on there and have like a double Whopper. That's all you need to do. I told myself that every single time. Did not happen. I ate both completely in the parking lot over my steering wheel, watching some Netflix for five minutes and rushing back to school. Not very disciplined, okay? But I stopped. I had to realize that that wasn't working because you know what I do? This is me, I'm not, I'm not saying for you, but this is what I do. It doesn't matter what I eat for breakfast and what I eat for lunch. I will be starving at dinner. It doesn't matter. So even though I eat two Whoppers, I come home, I see all of this stuff. I don't understand. All the adults in my home, there's a lot of us, all the adults in my home are trying, we're, tr we're trying to eat right. There's people doing keto, people counting the calories, but somehow you open up the pantry and it's like carb heaven. It's amazing. There's Doritos, there's Cheetos. There, <laughs> I didn't even know these existed. There are miniature lemon Krispy Kreme donuts in a box. I'm like, nobody can eat that. Why is this here? And so I've got to go through this mental uh, you know, gauntlet every single day. So I decided, you know what, I'm just not gonna eat. I'll just wait as far as I possibly can, and then I'll just eat at night. And it's been working pretty well. So, so here's, let me back up just a little bit. Because what I really want to talk to you all about is discipline. And man, that's a fun thing to talk about, isn't it? Aren't you all excited? Man, thank goodness half of you are wearing masks so I can't see the smiles upon your face. Discipline, man, that's a fun word, isn't it? So my wife and I, for a long time, have been trying to be healthier, mind, body, and soul. We really have been. And man, have I failed. So there was this term she let me know about a couple years ago or whenever it was a year ago. It's called fit at 40. Oh, I like that. So a few years ago, I tried the whole keto thing, and it was pretty good. I was on it for like six weeks, and I was the heaviest I've ever been in my life. And I lost some weight, and it was pretty cool. And then I started working out, and I read this book called Bigger, Stronger, Faster. I'm like, ooh, I'm going to start working out. Swole. And I was excited. I was going to get into it, right? And But he said in this book, well, you have to have so many, you know, your micronutrients, proteins, healthy fats, and carbs. I'm like, well, I'm doing keto, but I want to be, I want to get bigger, stronger, faster. So I'm like, okay, I'll do that. So I break keto and I work out strong for like a month and then I stop, but I keep eating those carbs, boy. And all of those gains and all that stuff that I had done right, completely gone erased and it's rolling along it's rolling along at the same time we started our karate club back i'm getting into it and you know i, I went back i did karate with daryl when i was 14 then again in my 20s then we started it back up i think january of 2017 i started training hard i went back to my blue belt and i was trying to promote i was trying to learn and in daryl's karate class uh, we call it uh our one heart way dojo it's ishinu karate there are three things that you've got to do 
Okay, you've got to do what's called mastery. You've got to learn different forms. You got to learn a kata. Then there's memorization. You got to learn these words in Japanese, and then you have to memorize scripture. Anywhere it starts off small with like four verses, and then it goes to like forty um, each belt. And then uh, uh, there's um, maturity, where you've got to come to practice. You've got to lead practices. You've got to read two books. One book's got to be about martial arts. One book's got to be about Christianity. I mean, Daryl. Listen, that's not normal, okay? Most karate schools you go to, you're paying, you're staying, you're getting your belt, you're moving along with life, and it's garbage. Daryl, you don't pay anything except blood, sweat, and tears, and it is a lot, and it is not easy, but I appreciate it. So I'm trying to get fit, I'm trying to do all this stuff, and I'm starting off pretty well, and then back to failure. Back to failure. And I've been kind of stagnated for a long time. My wife, on the other hand, is like keto queen for like three years. She took a month off for her birthday because that's what we do. But she's been pretty strong. It's been amazing. I, on the other hand, weak, just bad. And I got to 40. And very high is what all I saw at 40. And I was like, you know what? I can't be the leader I'm supposed to be for our ministry in the karate class. My youngest son is going to graduate high school when I'm 54 years old. And he's looking kind of big. And so, listen, my basic rule is, don't tell my kids this because I don't want them to test me. But my basic rule is I want them to know that at any given time I can whoop them. I want them to know at any given time, no matter how big they are, I'm older, I'm smarter, and I got old guy strength. I can't wait till I get older. Some guys in here, do you know what old guy strength is? You ever shook like your uncle or grandfather's hand and you're like, where did that come from? It's weird because they don't look like they're fit at all, but there's something in that hand. You're like, I can't wait till I get that. So listen, when I'm 54 and Child's about to graduate high school, I want him to know that I can break him in half, even if I can't. I want him to think that. So it all of a sudden dawned on me that I've got a problem. All right. I don't like the very high. I don't like the fact that my <laughs> pastor and sensei who is a little older than me, is like better at everything in karate. And I mean, he should be, he's a black belt, but still, I'm like, come on, man, I'm younger, I should be better at this. And so I was like, you know what, I gotta do something about this. And so about two months ago, I had a life switch, okay? Just a life switch. And it wasn't just, I mean, I'm talking about whoppers and, and all this stuff, but it wasn't just physically, okay? I decided that I've gotta get some stuff in gear because if I don't do it now, I'm never going to. I've known since I was in my 20s. I've known right after college. I knew it. I've just ignored it. I knew that I had to change. And I don't mean just what I ate. I mean the way that I approached life. I lacked discipline. And that's true. I don't know how I made it through seminary because I did not have the discipline to get through it. Really, by the grace of God and an amazing wife, that's how I got through it. But I lacked discipline. And I want us to talk about discipline today because I've noticed something over the last two months. I'm just going to give you a quick overview and then we're going to jump into the Word because who cares about the details of my life? That means nothing to you. It's only meant as an illustration to what God wants to do in our lives. And I want you to know also, before I jump into this, that I am a real big failure, like huge. Okay? To me, it's three steps up, two steps back. Some days, three, four steps back. There's some days I step on the scales and I'm like, I'm, I want to shoot at the bird. I'm like, are you kidding me? I, this is not right. I'm hungry. I'm starving. And you said by breathing, I gained weight. Not true. You know, you get so mad, you know, 
You're like, I, all I drink is water, all right? And I looked at food, and somehow you said I gained. Like, it's not fair, you know? Or I'm sitting there, and I'm like, you know, dying, and I'm working out, and I'm feeling good. And then I'm, you know, whoa, okay, all right. Oh, wait, here comes the second bar. Normal. Well, I can take normal. I said, hi, okay, it's better than very, very high again. And I'm like, come on, man, just give me a little bit, all right? So you need to understand that I'm not telling you that I am a success story. I am not. I am not. I am not. I am not. However, by the grace of God, with discipline, I have seen growth. Okay? And it's that sort of thing that I want to express to you and let you see the point behind it. Okay? So this is just an illustration. So what have I been doing the last two months? About two months. Yeah. It's like eight weeks. Yeah, it is eight weeks. Okay. So here's what I've been doing. And it's been terrible. Okay? It's not fun. All right? It's terrible. Except for the week with the Whoppers. That was a good week. <laughs> but other than that, it's terrible, okay? But here's what I've been doing. I've been counting calories. All right, the keto thing, it works, but not for me, okay? Because I can figure out a way to eat 5,000 calories of bacon. I can do it. So I've got to figure out a way to just limit myself. So I've been counting calories. I got an app. I count my calories. It's annoying. Oh, it's so annoying. I got to scan the barcode. And if it doesn't scan, I got to input it. Whoa, gosh, it takes 30 seconds of my day. I don't have that much time. But it see it feels annoying. So I do it, right? And counting calories. Well, that's not enough. So my amazing wife goes and gets me uh, dumbbells. Love that name for that workout equipment. Dumbbells. And uh, I've got not a lot of them. I've got like 10s, 15s, 20s, 30s, and 40s. But hey, that's something. All right, that's something. And um, I'm, okay, I got that. And then, and then I've got shoes, which means I can run. They're not great shoes. They're shoes I've had for about 10 years and I don't wear socks with them. So they're in a private place. Okay. You know where they're at though, within 10 feet, I'm sure. But I have been counting calories, I have been lifting weights, and I have been running. Life sucks. It's not fun. You know when they talk about runner's high? Y'all know this term? Okay, so runner's high is you're running. And it's hard. I mean, it's hard. You're like, ugh. But there's this moment where you're like, oh, I can, I can go another mile. I can go 10 miles. I can run forever. I have never felt that way. <laughs> not once. Not once. So, have you, you know this app, Couch to 5K? You know this app? All right, well, go look it up. So the idea is, is that it's from your couch. You don't run at all. And it trains you to teaching you can do a 5K, which is 3.1 miles. Okay, great. So I do it. I'm starting it out. But then I see there's a Couch to 10K app. I'm like, who's doing the 5K? I'm doing the 10K. So I'm doing it. Rachel's doing it too. She's doing the 5K because, you know. So I'm doing Couch to 10K. She's doing Couch to 5K. Well, for the first eight or nine weeks, they're identical. Okay, they're identical. All right? So we're on week six. And week six is like where it decides to just go ahead and kick you, all right? Right in the, yeah, it's terrible. And so there's one day, it's the last day of day six, because here's how it works. Uh, at the very beginning, you run for three minutes, you walk for four minutes, you run for three minutes, you walk for, and then the next day, it keeps kind of shrinking down the amount of time that you walk, and then it lengthens the amount of time that you run, and then eventually you're running magically, miraculously, this long distance, and you're feeling this runner's high, and you feel good about life. You're doing half marathons, you're, you're, you're like Elijah, and it's awesome. It's great, right? What a lie. It's all a freaking lie. But anyways, so you get to week, I'm at week six, and this is the this is the day. 
This is the day where it says, warm up for five minutes, run for 20. I'm like, wait a second, where's the break to walk? <laughs> there isn't one. So my wife, early yesterday, we're on the same week, even though she's 5K, I'm 10K, but whatever, we're on the same week. So she goes and does it. And I'm like, did you do it? She's like, yeah. I'm like, wow, that's pretty good. And then last week she ran a 5K, just around our neighborhood, just like, oh, I'm gonna try it. I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's cool, okay, whatever. But I'm, on, I'm, I'm 10K, so <laughs> So I go out there and I'm running uh, yesterday, and at mile 12, I had this sensation. Or sorry, mile 12. <laughs> That'll never happen. At minute 12, which means it was probably somewhere in mile two, in minute 12, I had, thank you, I had <laughs> that accountability I needed. Uh, at minute 12, I had this sensation like, no one's watching. Why are you doing this? Who cares? Your cat hurts. You're choking on spit because you can't get it out quick enough. <laughs> it's hot. It's cloudy. It's muggy. What are you doing with your life? And so at minute 12, oh, thank you. Hello? Yeah, there you go. So for those of you who haven't heard anything, let me catch you up. <laughs> I do Whoppers without onions and cheese. And I'm doing a 10K one day, my wife 5K. Now you're up to speed. <laughs> so I'm out there running, and at my, at minute, at minute 12, for for every 10 seconds, 30 seconds after that, I'm like, no, what are you doing, Greg? Quit. Quit. This is dumb. This is stupid. You are healthy. Who cares if you can run a long time? You're fast. Stop. And so I'm like, no, no, my wife, 5K, she did the 20 minutes. I'm doing the 20 minutes. Well, I didn't make it. <laughs> I got to minute 19 and I was like, there's a good, there's a, it's not, it's not 50% chance, but it's greater than zero that I could die right now. So I'm going to stop. <laughs> so I stopped. I stopped and I, and I walked the rest of the way. So I walked five, ran 19, walked six. So she, she upped me by a minute. And uh, yeah, so maybe I'll go back to the 5k portion because the idea, because here's what happens on the couch to 10k. You get to like week nine when you're supposed to run into 5K and then it starts going days like this. Walk for 20, I mean, sorry, run for 20, walk a minute. Run for 20, walk a minute, run for 20. And I'm like, are we still going? What's going on here? Let's stop. And then you get to like week uh, 12 where it says, go run for an hour. I'm like, who does that? Who runs for an hour? Y'all know Back to the Future part three? Yeah. All right, Doc is in the bar at the end. If you don't know Back to the Future, you need to do some living. So Back to the Future 3, Doc is in a bar talking to these old, because they went back in time. He's like, yeah, people have these machines that take in places, and people only run for fun. And there's this cow that goes, run for fun? Whoever thought of that? And that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Don't get it. Don't get it. But you know what? Here's the thing. I've been working out anywhere from two, three, four days a week. It's kind of like, really about two, maybe three. I've been running one, two, three days a week, probably one or two. And I've been counting calories. I started at 2,000, now I'm at 1,600 calories a day, which is kicking my tail. But, 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 I'm still at very high. All right, so the machine still hates me, okay? But I've lost about 14, 15 pounds, and I've dropped from 30% body fat to about 21% body fat. So there's some, some gains, some, some good stuff. And it's almost enough that I want to keep going. Almost. But I want to quit because I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Okay? 
But you know what? During that time, I've also been training in karate a lot more. I've been reading a lot more. I've been trying to be the man that God has called me to be. And I fail every day. But I keep making about an inch closer. What's the goal? Well, the goal, ultimate goal is Christ. And, you know, I'm an infinite number of miles away from that. But I'm getting closer and closer to the man God wants me to be. You know what I've noticed in that time? The relationship with my wife is better. Listen, we still fight. That's like our love language, okay? We fight, but we don't fight as much, and we're getting over our fights quicker, all right? And one of the major reasons I'm doing this physical thing is for her, okay? Because we like each other. And are there kids in the room? Oh, boy, okay. Well, we really like each other a lot, okay? We like each other a whole lot, all right? And so it's very exciting and motivating to think that I could do something about body tour. She's like, you know what? I really, really like you. I, no matter what you do, but I really like that too. I'm like, great, hey, this is fun. This is good stuff. That's right. Oh, yeah. Subtext. Subtext, that's right. Read between the lines. Okay. If I had a whiteboard, we could draw pictures, but we're good. Just joking. Come on, guys. Have some fun. So I've noticed, I've noticed that discipline in one area of my life is spilling over into other areas. And I'm noticing that even though it's so hard, oh, that I'm overall better, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm better, I'm where I need to be. I can do more for our church. I can do more in the karate club. I can do more for our marriage. I can do more with my kids. I can do more in my work. There's an overall benefit to doing what you don't want to do in order that you can accomplish what you want to later. Yes. Our pastor said this so many times, discipline is doing what you don't want to do now so you can do what you want to do later. Now let's turn to the word, okay? It'll be up there, but we're gonna to turn to uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Now a quick thing about Hebrews. We call it Hebrews because it's written to Jewish Christians, okay? Hebrew Christians. We don't know who wrote it. A lot of times people thought Paul was, but if you compare the Greek of Paul's letters and you compare the Greek of Hebrews, it just doesn't line up. It doesn't really make sense. So it's probably not Paul. What's the point of Hebrews? It was written first century, probably in the 60s, very early on, one of our earlier letters. And it's amazing because its main message is the supremacy of Christ. The main message is to say that our Jesus is better than Moses, better than any high priest, Aaron, better than the angels. Our Jesus is the best. That's the point of Hebrews. It's awesome. And you'll remember some famous sayings in Hebrews. It talks about Jesus being our high priest who was like us in every way, except was without. There you go. That's from chapter 4. You remember chapter 11 when it talks about faith is the evidence of, what's it say? Things what? Unseen. And then it talks about all of these great heroes of the faith. Remember that? Well, right after that, we get to chapter 12. Right Now, we're going to get to the heart of it, starting about verse 4, but I want to set this up in the context. The writer of Hebrews is talking to Jewish Christians who are going through tough times. Christians in Rome are being persecuted. They're being beaten. Some, perhaps, skinned alive. Some are being ripped apart by animals in the midst of cheering crowds. It's a bad, hard time to be a Christian. And so the writer of Hebrews has the audacity to write this. 
Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, talking about the great heroes of the faith from the previous chapter, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus. Why? The founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God on the throne of God. Consider him who endured from, from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. He's saying, you haven't been martyred yet. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son, and you can read son or daughter, whom he receives. Let's go ahead and read it completely, Michael. Thank you. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons and daughters for what the son or daughter is there whom his father does not discipline. If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children. You're not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subjected to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he, as in God, disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. This is our last verse for today. For the moment, all discipline seems rather painful than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of to those who have been trained by it. You saw the key word there was discipline, all right? Uh, the Greek term there, um, paideia, I believe is how you say it, paideia, it means uh, upbringing. It means uh, training. How? Through correction. So upbringing, training, instruction, teaching, how? Through correction. Discipline doesn't feel good, does it? No, in fact, sometimes we mistake discipline and punishment. We think they're the same thing. I got disciplined at school today. I got punished at school today. And we don't see it for what it is. That discipline really is when someone who loves us enough to correct our ways so that we might be the people we were meant to be. It's actually an act of love. So the basic point today is this. For all of us in this room who are disciples of Jesus, if you are a disciple of Jesus, discipline is necessary and it is good. Let's say that again. If you're a disciple of Jesus, discipline is necessary, necessary and good. It's necessary. You and I need it. And it's good. It produces good things. So let's jump into that. So um, we'll have, uh, we'll wait, we'll, Jacob will put that up there. Um, if you have a Bible, that would be best. Uh, we'll be looking at um, specifically verses 6 through 11. So let's let's break this down. So again, this is for Hebrew Christians who are under a lot of pressure. 
They're being persecuted. They're being mistreated for their faith. And this is meant to encourage them. And it starts off at the beginning. Did you see that where it said, continue to run the race? Did you hear that? Does anybody else love running as much as I detest it? I hate it. But I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something. You put somebody next to me running, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is different. And now I want to run, I want to win, right? Well, the idea is that God has set us on a course. He set you and I on a race, for lack of a better term. And it's not that we're racing against people, but really we're racing against ourselves. And he's got a plan laid out for us. And it's difficult on purpose. Why? We'll get into that. All right. So here we go. So the first thing that I want to talk about regarding discipline in light of Hebrews chapter 12 is that being children of God includes discipline from the Father. Let's look at verses 6 through 8. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. Hmm. Parents in the room, I'm assuming you love your children. I'm assuming you also discipline your children. You tell them when something's okay or not okay. You tell them don't touch that. Don't go there. Don't sit there. Eat this. Don't eat that. Please don't touch that and then come hug me. <laughs> we discipline them. Why? To keep them safe. To keep them safe because we love them. Think about it. You see other kids act a fool all the time, right? And sometimes you want to tell them something, but you don't. But they ain't your kids. Yeah, some people do. Some people have a lot of love for other kids. But most people most are like, man, what a fool. I'm so glad. You see, don't you? I better not kid you. Act like that. I love you. I don't love that. No, but man, we discipline our kids because we love our kids. We discipline our kids because we love our kids. So, my kids, I discipline them, yes. My son, my oldest son, he's got a job. And with that comes different responsibilities. And my wife and I are, are on him. He doesn't like us a whole lot right now. He he's, he's, can't wait to leave. <laughs> Just itching to go. Has told us many times. And there's some times where we're like, <laughs> but we don't but we, we, we're on him and it's hard for him to realize this we're on him because we love him and because he's so close to being by law someone that can go to jail for a very long time <laughs> to where the mistakes are no longer <laughs> more like, I mean they're serious so we love him and it doesn't feel very good sometimes but we do and we discipline him Jubilee and Asher, they're younger. Our discipline comes in different forms. We make them practice their karate. We make them practice their music. Uh, Elijah uh, is their great music teacher. He teaches Jubilee piano and teaches Asher guitar. If you want lessons, Elijah is your man. The guy can do almost anything when it comes to music. He's awesome. <laughs> well, shocker, our kids hate to practice. They detest it. Okay? They hate it. But we make them do it. Why? Because we're not wasting money, okay? No, because we love them. We really do love them. And we know, we know that if they practice a little bit each day, they will become better. And then now, 
in my you know dream, they can use that as another means for God to use them in some aspect of ministry. One of these days, our family's going to have like this praise band moment. It's going to be, I'm not going to have anything to do with it, but I'm going to listen and I'm going to love it. It's going to be awesome, right? But we make them do that. We make them practice their karate even when they don't want to. You know what's interesting? Every time they're ready to promote, they love karate. Every time a relative comes over, they can't wait to show them what they learned on the piano and the guitar, right? But they wouldn't be able to do any of that unless we were on them. My youngest son, Shiloh, he got the belt today for the first time. For the first time, that's right. Now, just before all of you start judging, it was this hard, it was twice, he had on diaper and shorts. It was traumatic because he saw the belt. It did not hurt him at all. But he has this thing where he likes to beat up on his brothers and sisters, but they're, but because he's little, they don't return the favor. Yet, the day is coming. So he goes and he takes a hanger and he hits Jubilee and Asher in the face with a metal hanger. And I'm like, and as soon as I come out, he's, and he, he keeps, he, he does that whole ostrich thing. It's like, if, if he can't see me, then I can't see him. So he just kind of puts his head behind this table like this. And I can just see his butt and stuff hanging out. And he's like this. And I'm like, Shiloh. And he, and he just, and so I pull him over and I'm like, you cannot. And he goes, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm like, so I take out my pen. And he goes, no, daddy, no, daddy. And I'm sitting here on the inside, just bro just breaking like, oh, dude, seriously, come on, man. But I'll be like, no, you can't do that. Turn around. Turn around. Just, just screaming, you know. 30 seconds later, he's laughing and running around. He's fine, okay? Not a, not a mark on him. But I had to. Why? Because I love him and I love my other kids. You can't be swinging metal stuff in my kids' eyes. I don't care who you are, okay? I don't care who you are. That's not going to happen, all right? That's not good. It's not good for child. It's not good for the other kids. So I love my kids. I have to discipline them. And the disciplining is not always easy. But that's what parents do. God, our Father, for the Lord love, disciplines the one he what? And he chastises every son, daughter, whom he receives. Go ahead and go on. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as what? You're his children. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Ouch. Listen, the writer of the Hebrews is saying, listen, you are experiencing these things. Now, let's be very clear. They're experiencing hardships because of their faith. He's not saying that all hardships are disciplined. Sometimes, as our pastor has made very clear, bad things happen because we make bad mistakes or we, we, we have bad choices. It happens, okay? Sometimes, however, though, God is correcting us. Remember, he's teaching and instructing through correction so that we can be the men and women he wants us to be, so we can be his kids. It's an act of love. So the first main point is that we're disciples of Christ. We are receiving discipline because we are loved what? Children. We are loved children. Being children of God includes discipline from the Father, period. All right, let's go on to verse 9. Point number 2. As believers, we should submit to his discipline. As believers, we should submit to his discipline. As believers, we should submit, submit to his discipline. That means we should give into it. We should stop fighting it. We need to learn from it. Verse 9. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? 
do you see the point the writer is, is making? He's like, listen, your fathers love you, discipline you, and you've learned to respect that. How much more your perfect heavenly father? Listen, a lot of us have daddy issues. It happens, okay? And because of that, sometimes we look at God the Father in that way. And the enemy uses that against us. He uses us and our daddy issues to say, yeah, your heavenly father is going to mess up too. No. Make sure you're not misreading this. No earthly father is perfect. But most, not all, most earthly fathers love their children very much and discipline them because they love them. And we respect that in the end. Maybe not when we're little, but we come to respect it later. We come to appreciate that we're organized in life. We come to appreciate that he taught us how to work in the yard or work on a car or, or, or do karate or whatever. We appreciate it later. We respect that. How much more then should we appreciate what God our Father is doing? One of the books that I had to read, I brought all the karate books I've had to read lately. Um, well, I say books for karate. One of them is Fathered by God, which many of the men in this church uh, we've read. And Eldridge makes this point. He's really specifically writing towards men, but this point is applicable to everybody, and it's applicable here too. And he talks about all these stages of a boy going to a man, these stages like the beloved son, the cowboy, the warrior, the king, the sage, all these different stages. And he talks about the warrior. And he talks about how God is the great warrior, that he fights our battles, and that he has raised us men up to be warriors. Well, I know from my mother and from my wife that he's also raised women to be warriors. And I look around the people in this room, and some of the greatest warriors in our church are women too. So even though he's writing specifically to men, this truth is applicable to both. I want to read something here, okay? And it's about discipline, and it goes to this point that we should submit ourselves to God's discipline because we're his children. Remember the first point. What was the first point? Do we remember? Do we need to go back to verse 9? Being children of God includes discipline from the Father. If we're God's children, discipline's coming. Point number two, we should submit to it. Why? You'll see why. It's good. We should submit to it. And one of the things about submitting to it is realizing that life is... Anybody want to fill it in? It's hard. It is temporary. It's hard. If your life isn't hard, you should question why it's not. Life is hard. I want to read a couple things. See if I can do this with the mic at the same time. How does God raise the warrior? As I think back over the past, this is Eldridge talking. As I think past over the past 20 years, I see now that nearly everything I've learned as a warrior, I've learned on the field of battle, in the school of reality, in the classroom of life. I began to see the answer to the question, how does God raise the warrior in a man? He has a one-word answer. Hardship. How does God raise us to be men and women that are warriors for the kingdom? That can face the difficulties? Hardship. Something in you knows it's true. I think this is where we have most misinterpreted what God is up to in our lives. As long as we are committed to the path of least resistance to making our lives comfortable, trial and tribulation, will feel unkind. But if we are looking for a dojo in which to train as a warrior, well then, this is the real deal. What better means than hardship? What better way to train a warrior than putting a man in a situation, in situation after situation, where he must fight? I'm going to read that last part again. 
What better means than hardship to train a warrior? What better way to train a warrior than putting a man in situation after situation where he must fight? Are you in battles? They may not seem like big battles. You're fighting war, but you're in battles, in relationships, jobs, in every aspect of your life. There's going to be hardship. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Now, if you're making bad choices and there's bad consequences, you need to reconcile that. But if you're trying to live right for God, persecution is coming. Okay? Remember, who's in charge of this world temporarily? The God of the power of the air, the enemy, the dark one, Lucifer, Satan. He's not ultimately in control. God is in control. But he has allowed for a short period of time. Seems like an eternity for us. But a short period of time, he has allowed the enemy to be at work. And if he is at work, when you and I stand for God, we stand against him. And if we stand against him, hardship is coming. And God allows it. Yes, there are times in our life when we're like infants and he shields us. And he gives us milk. But as the Apostle Paul says, we're going to grow up and we can't have milk forever. Sometimes we're running a long race. Sometimes we're in the gym lifting heavy weights. Sometimes we are saying no left and right to things that look so good and so pleasing. But we know in the end they are only temporarily happy. But they lead to destruction. They lead to depression. They lead to laziness. They lead to apathy. They lead to anger. And we've got to know how to say no to them. And it is hard. It's so hard. But we should submit to it because it's the first point. We're his disciples. He loves us. We're his children. He's going to discipline us like we're his children. So we should submit to it. Because ultimately it's for our good. He's raising us up. It's not hard for no apparent reason just because he's a God that wants to be vindictive and make it hard. No, it's hard to make us strong. It's hard to make us strong. For my black, or, well, no, for my previous, but my brown belt, the one I, I, I got, I had, to, I had to, to drop a board and break it in the air. Okay? Two months ago, impossible. And I, I basically told myself, I'm not going to get a brown belt. And that's fine. I said, that's fine. You know, it stinks for our karate club because they've got this purple belt running around helping, helping Sensei Daryl, and it, it doesn't look good. But you know what? I'm, I can't do it. So I kept trying and trying. And you know what happens when you try to break a board and it doesn't break? It hurts a lot. And if you've ever seen Sensei's hands when he breaks a lot of boards, he doesn't have four knuckles anymore. It turns into one solid purple knuckle. It's disgusting, and it's awesome all at the same time. All right? He doesn't have any feeling anymore. It just breaks stuff over and over again. It's crazy. So I'm like, all right, I keep trying and trying and trying, and eventually I got it. And it was awesome. And it hurt. It hurt every time it hurt. Every time it hurt. There was never a time it didn't hurt. Never a time it didn't hurt. Sometimes it hurt worse. Sometimes it hurt less. When it broke, I, the adrenaline pump was like, oh, it feels good. An hour later, I'm like, man, this hurts. But I got somewhere. And I'm stronger and I'm better. And I'm a better minister in that karate club because I'm able to do more. Because there was resistance. Because it was hard. 
And that's a stupid, silly example. What about your lives? There are people in here who've gone through cancer. There are people in here who have gone through losing a job when it wasn't right. There are people in here who have gone through homeless. There are people in here who have gone through deaths of loved ones. And it is hard. And you're angry about it and you're sad about it. But you know what? God can do an amazing thing and he can take that. He can take the pain. He can take the hurt. He can take all of that. And he can make you into this jewel, into the, into the apple of his eye, this son and daughter that he's so proud of, that he loves so much, and that he wants to use to impact his kingdom. What do we call the sons and daughters of kings? Princes and princesses. That's what you are. Do you realize that? You're royalty. And the king has a plan for you. And yes, it includes hardship, but that's only because he loves you. He's making you strong. Point number three. Just to review. Point number one, we're being children of God. That means discipline's coming. Point number two, we should submit to it. We should submit to it. It's good for us. Okay, he's our father. We should submit to that discipline, just like my kids have learned. And they hated it at the time, and it was hard. It's making them into something, making them into musicians, making them into little uh, karate warriors, hopefully into warriors for Christ. That's what he's making you into, point number three. His discipline, it's good. It's good. Let's go look at verses 10 and 11. For they disciplined us for a short time. He's talking about earthly fathers, as it seemed best to them. But he, God, disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems rather than pleasant. But later it yields the fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by. Did you hear that? It seems like what? It's painful. But it yields peaceful fruit of righteousness. So I've got a new job. I'm an assistant principal. And it stinks. It's so hard. And every day I screw up. I get to be in this awesome position where I don't make the principal happy and I don't make the teachers happy. And I have no friends except the other assistant principals and we've become tight it's awesome i barely know these people and we're like when you go through battles with people yeah telling you telling you and so i have a pretty good poker face i think all right when i'm playing poker but apparently i wear my emotions on my sleeve i did not know this <laughs> so one of the things about zoom calls is you see everybody's faces at the same time all right so apparently, I did not know this, but apparently my, my boss, awesome lady, she's a Christian, I'm learning a lot from her, she's great. She said something, I did not know, but apparently I made a face. <laughs> Didn't realize. So we're like, all right guys, see you later. We end the Zoom meeting, two seconds later, my phone is ringing. And I'm like, hello? She goes, Craig, you need to work on when I say something that you disagree with. But you don't make an expression. I said, I'm so sorry. I did not realize. I'm so, I, I'm sorry. Fast forward a week. Another Zoom call. Her, the assistant principals. And she wanted me to look at this math that she had done. Because she's got an English background and I represent the math. Which is great pressure, by the way. When you've got a meeting with 100 people and she wants you to look at her math in 30 seconds. It's a lot of pressure. So I look at it and I'm pretty sure she's wrong. 
So I'm on the Zoom call and she goes, uh, I go, oh yeah, you want me to look at that? She goes, yeah, yeah. And I said, okay. And so then it's like, oh man, what do I, how, do, how do I do this? And so I say, well, and then I pause. By the way, that didn't help. <laughs> so I pause and I say, all right, I really love your slides, but I don't like this particular thing. And she said, whoa, I don't want to hear about what you like and don't like. Tell me exactly what you see. Frame it positively and objectively. And she said, I don't have time right now. I'll coach you on that later. So I walked by her office a little later. And we're cordial. Things are good. And she said, yeah, yeah, come in and, and close the door. That's a great sign. So I close the door and she sits me down. And we have a great conversation. It's uncomfortable. She tells me how I should approach things when I disagree with somebody. And I hated it. And it was exactly what I needed to hear. It was exactly what I needed to hear. Because I was being Craig, the father, the pastor, the whatever thing, but I was not being Craig, the professional educator. And it hurt me. And she said, I made the same mistake and it cost me. I don't want it to cost you. And we had a five minute conversation and it was good, even though I hated it, even though it was embarrassing, even though it was shameful for a moment. It was good and it was necessary and she did it because she respects me and she yeah. wants me to be better. She didn't care about me. She's like, whatever, he's wrong, done. She brought me in, she shut the door, which is shameful on me, but out of respect for me. Listen, no one likes to be told of the wrong. No one likes the hardship. No one likes to be corrected with a belt, with uh, not getting a job you think you deserve, by anything of this stuff. But you know what? God, your heavenly father, loves you. And he's going to try to make you. No, that's stopping it. He's going to make you into the woman or the man that you are meant to be. And it takes discipline. It takes loving correction. Are you ready? Are you ready? Last thing is this. So the kids promoted. Uh, Jubilee got her junior blue. And Asher got his orange, which was awesome. And they were going to get their belts uh, on a particular karate mat. He, they got their belts, and Daryl texted me and said, hey, be ready to do X, Y, and Z at karate. And I'm like, he's going to promote me, but I'm not ready. I didn't have all of my verses done. I had three more chapters left of this book. And so I was like, what? I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I don't, I don't want something I don't deserve, okay? I made two errors. One, it's not about me. It's about what Sensei says. If Sensei says somebody's ready, then they're ready. Not about the person. Same thing with God, by the way. Yeah. God, I'm not ready for this. No, you're ready. Why? I'm God. You're not. You're ready. Period. But I need I need to wait. I need to do this, this, and this. No, you're ready. You're ready. Well, so I spend lunch, and I get the verses down. I don't eat lunch. I go into a Sam's parking lot underneath the tree, and I sit there for an hour, and I work on those verses. And I get them down pretty good, but I still didn't read three chapters. But I had a feeling, and I get there, and I do promote and it felt good, but I also was like, man, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't get there. Do you know what I did that week after that happened? I worked harder than I've ever worked on karate. I read that book. I got this next book. This is my next book, all right? This was written in um, almost 100 years ago in Japanese, translated to English, not the easiest thing to read. I read it in less than a week. You know, you know why? I was motivated out of gratitude. I was motivated to be the person that he saw me to be. 
I wanted to live up to this distinction. I want to make something very clear. You and I can never live up to the salvation that we have been given, ever. Ever. We can never earn salvation, ever. That's a lie from hell. We can never earn our salvation. But we can always work to be the men and women God has called us to be. You cannot earn your salvation. But that's where your road starts, not where it ends. You have been saved. Why? We all know Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. You've been saved by God's what? Through? Right. And it's not work so that you and I wouldn't boast. But keep reading. We are saved to do what? Good works. We are meant to do good, to be good, to be the men and women God's created to be. How are we going to get there? Correction. What's our overall message today? Do you remember it? Said it at the very beginning. Anybody remember? We are disciples of Jesus, which means discipline's coming. It's necessary and good. Let's say it again. We are disciples of Jesus, which means discipline is necessary and good. Amen. Amen. Amen and amen. Hardship's coming. Hardship's coming. But it's meant to train us up. It's meant to make us into the men and women we're supposed to be. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the amazing reality that through faith in your son, we are adopted in. We who were your enemies are now your sons and daughters. That's amazing. Father, help us to know that as a result, you called us to be disciples of your son, which requires discipline. That you're going to correct us like a loving father, a perfect father. That that correction may be difficult, it may be hard, but it is necessary and it is good for us to be the men and women you created us to, to be, for us to be the tools in your hand to accomplish the good work for your kingdom. So Father, help us. Help us to know the difference between the hardships that we bring on ourselves from our sin and the hardships that you're allowing us to go through to test us, to mold us, to shape us, because you love us. Father, I pray that this church, that we can, we can allow discipline into every realm of our lives. Physically, we're getting more fit. Emotionally, more sound. Spiritually, closer to you, allowing your spirit to guide us every avenue. What we eat, what we drink, what we read, what we watch, what we say, what we do, all of it. Help us. Help us. Help us to receive your discipline, to be corrected, so that we can be the children you created us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.